This is Extra Scoop, your bonus episode of Two Scoops. In episode 12, Mr. B and I sat down with the amazing David McAlmond, and we talked a lot about music, religion, and art history. Now we're going to bring it to the present and find a bit more about Mr. McAlmond himself. Okay, so let's get straight into it. So we spoke off the record before we recorded um, and you spoke about, you shared a story um, of of when someone referred to you as an elder. Yes. And your, rea- <laughs> and your reaction to that. Would you, mind, Which you just you gave mind... now again. Yeah. <laughs> would, you mind get... you. <laughs> would you mind getting into that for us? Okay, I don't remember um, when I was 25... But um, I remember a Shabaranks record. This was before the whole uh, Shabaranks fires. F- 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 yeah, but lo- lo- before that actually happened. But, but, but that, that wasn't far away. But the record was a rewrite of Seasons in the Sun. We had joy, we had fun, we had Seasons in the Sun. Da, 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 da. Okay. But um, the Shabaranks record was, I'm in love with a man nearly twice, nearly twice my, age. my age. And at that point, my boyfriend was 50 and I was 25. Right. And um, what he said to me then was that, uh, and he was absolutely right, he was like... Uh, it's really lovely that you're into me and everything, but I'm 50 and you're 25. You're going to be interested in what else is going on. So I'm not under any illusions or, 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 about keeping you faithful or anything like that. You know, at some point you are going to want to do your own thing and I'm not going to stand in your way. But that was my taste. You know, then I sort of knew that um, I would at some point meet somebody who was slightly older than me and that we'd be together and, and, and romantically happy forever, which is kind of what happened. Um, but um, I remember the sort of line that I would throw at such a man. You know, an older man. It would be, um, you know, well, you know, you've got experience and, you know, I don't, you know these young people, they don't understand me. And that's how I carried on for, 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 for a few years. And, you know, I didn't really think about the, uh, the, the, about the years passing or anything like that. And then the one day, somebody who was half my age came on to me in a bar. And he said, um, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm much more attracted to older people. You know, they've got experience and everything. And I didn't say it to him, but I thought to myself, that's my line. What happened? <laughs> Where did the years go? That's what I say. <laughs> you don't get to say that to me. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. Um, it 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 seemed to come out of nowhere that suddenly I was uh, an older man, mm. and then that's when um, people started calling me um, an elder, and some young men that I've never met before call me uncle, and I'm like, okay, it's difficult i have to hold this (laughs) i have to hold this and i'm getting all right with it now but um i'm uh i I, I was having a chat with um a friend the other day gato chocolat like gato (gasps) chocolat icon and yeah they're, they're absolutely an icon and uh gato called me uncle 
and then wrote an, wrote, wrote an email saying that they saw me as an elder. So that solidified it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 thought, I, I thought that... Uh, I thought the piss was being taken when the oh. w- when when the uncle term was being used. I was like, "Oh, you cheeky, cheeky man!" <laughs> but um, it's like, okay, okay, okay. I I I'm beginning to get it now because Jason, um, the the other day, you know, you know, you know, you know Jason, Jason Akunde, fabulous yeah, yeah. writer, Jason. Yeah. Jason um got in touch, and uh, I I know about Jason's work, um, but we haven't really met yet but uh he got got a hold of my email from mark which was fine and said hi uncle david and i'm like okay okay i get it i'm an uncle that's okay that's what that that, that, that's i'm an uncle i'm an elder that's fine i just hope that um i just hope too much isn't required of me as an elder because my behavior hasn't always been flawless Mm. You know, I've had a long life, and I've had, you know, I've been, I have been saintly at points. And other other times, I've been a right little cow. You know, so when it comes to affording respect to somebody, I don't feel entirely deserving all the times because I have put my feet wrong. You know, so I'm just, I, I just want you know you, you to know that I'm conscious of that. I don't uh, walk around um, expecting respect like you know respect your elders i'm not coming from that place but um it's like okay i'll hold it if you want to award it to me but i hope you don't mean i hope you don't mean by that that i'm some kind of paragon because i'm not Mm, but is that you know isn't that where the wisdom comes from not getting it right as well as getting some parts right that i feel like we look at anybody humanity looks at and goes okay i find something in that type of person to be more, I don't know, for me to want to uh, go to them more than someone who looks squeaky clean. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I also get the impression that what people uh, respect more than most things <clears throat> is honesty. Mm. So um, I try to prioritize that. Uh, but there have been moments where um, it would have been better if I'd been at home in a bad mood than on the road, you know, um, having to do a concert on tour in a bad mood, where I meet somebody who I've never met since, but because my career is a performance career and they're like people in the audience, um, you don't remember everybody. Mm. But then people who um, pay to see you or buy your records or like your music remember you very well. And I haven't always been nice to them, you know. So I know that um, there's bad, but, but that I have created good feeling and I have created bad feeling. And as long as that's okay with the people who are calling me uncle and elder, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I just, 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 just want to be sure. Just want to um, <laughs> let you know that I'm conscious of who I have been. You good? We got you. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it comes down to, you know, us creating our own family, right? And showing respect to to the people them who was, you know, who who was doing the work before us. Mm. Um I can't speak for other people, but for me, you know, the people that I call elder and uncle, it's it's respect and it's admiration. Um and also trust. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I 
I call my uncle by his first name. I don't respect or trust that man. But there are people in our community who I respect and trust, who I call family, who are deserving of that title. And, you know, no one's expecting perfection and everything else. But, yeah, it's us. It's us creating our own family. I will say that... uh... It's, I uh, got to a point, I mean, there, I, I spent a good decade or so um, making uh, tea for uh, recovering addicts and alcoholics. And then I did a transition whereby I, you know, we speak about aging. Uh, I think the shudder of mortality is constant. I think that at any point we can be taken. So aging doesn't really matter that much. Um, it's, um, you know, be, uh, every time I go around the sun, I give thanks to the ancestors in the universe for that. Like, wow, another circuit. I'm so grateful. I, 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 I get to continue whatever it is that I'm doing. But uh, when Comic Relief came around a few uh, couple of years ago, I started getting these messages from the BBC uh, asking me to um, do something for Comic Relief. Mm-hmm. And I'm conscious that some people think that um, it's quite rich for the BBC to um, ask them for even more money on, for comic relief and children in need when people are already paying for a license fee. Right. And uh, after a while, I ignored the messages, but they wouldn't let it drop. And so in the end, I just wrote back to them and said, um, thank you very much for your um, inquiries. Um, but my work is with um, black queer visibility in major arts, in, in major museum and art spaces. Not a word. I haven't, I haven't heard back from then. But, 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 but that's, that's, that's the truth. That's, that's the no these days. It's like, okay, I'm doing my um, teaching. I'm making my music. And the extra time that I have is, are my brothers and sisters getting into places where art is held and having be, becoming part of that discourse as well? So looking forward, we spoke about permissible beauty. Uh, I'm working with uh, the University of Leicester and English Heritage and Historic Royal Palaces and National Trust to bring black queer bodies into conversation with uh, the notions and the ideas of beauty in stately homes. Has creating that link been an easy one? It started with the Girl Boy Child project. So that was about three, three LGBT lives lived in National Trust properties and they were all white. And I remember having a real panic one night because it was <laughs> one of my friends joked that, that, that the black Illuminati had come to see my show. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to stand up and speak to um, all of these um, black, queer, fabulous people about three white queers. You know, um, two men and a woman who lived in National Trust properties. What am I thinking? Where are my black characters? And one, one of the comments was, um, I really didn't expect to um, feel anything for these people but you completely um, changed that and that was really so that was really emboldening and then the next project was an interview with 22 um, different um, black uh, queer Britons for portrait of a black queer Britain and then that's when I finished that and I thought right the next thing that I want to do is I want to work with um, gender fabulous people um fluid 
uh, who are who identify as black queer performers, mm. and uh, the in that the working title was Brexit pursued by a drag queen. But okay. then, um, that was just the working title. I knew that it wouldn't I be love there. That. <laughs> Brexit pursued by a drag queen. Get into it. But then um, I thought about this time when I was on the um, underground network, <laughs> and there was a poster for Hampton Court, and the draw that year was the Hampton Court beauties. Um, Twelve portraits of uh, white women from the Stuart period, which is when Britain effectively nationalizes the slave trade and the idea of beauty then and the idea of Britain now. And Rob, Rob Barclay's remarkable words, which were um, black and queer in Britain will thrive when Brexit happens. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Rob? And actually, all I can say is that ever since Brexit happened... Black and queer is thriving, as far as I can see. See, see, I um, have mentioned this a couple times, and it feels like we are having another black renaissance. Mm. A century later from the Harlem Renaissance. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I always tied that in with the murder of George Floyd. Mm. Um, but it's so... But now that you've mentioned Brexit, I'm like, shit. All of these, all of these events that 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 could possibly, you know, all the, all these events are having this ricochet effect. Yeah, I think um, Rob's point was Britain will be looking for its pride, and black and queer is something that Britain can be proud of, and so black and queer will thrive. And I thought, mm, well, I'll believe it when oh. I see it. But ever since Brexit happened, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing us everywhere. I mean, Jay, where did Jason come from? Who is this young, fierce talent writing for The Guardian every week? Right. Telling our story. Right. You know, what, 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 what's a guan? Yeah. Here for it. Mm, I love here it. For it. Oh Absolutely. And so I, 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 but I, but I, but you use the, you use the, the, the magic word there, Dwayne, because I'm, I'm, I'm having this with the, with the uncles around here, you know, Mark and Antoine and Jamu. We're meeting regularly and having this conversation, and Mark's like, I don't want to say Renaissance because Renaissance is something that passes. I'm going to call it an awakening. Ah. And, okay. And Ajamu, classic, you know. Ajamu, cover of Freeze, cover of Attitude, Channel 4, you know, blowing great guns. I'm like, you know, something is going on. And Ajamu's like, no, I'm just doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, no, black queer renaissance is on. You are allowed to notice it. And the thing about renaissance is that Harlem Renaissance happened when 800 uh, black Americans were living um, in a block. And you picture that, a block with 800, 800 souls um, in, in, in it it's not ideal that the, the um, death rate of infants in Harlem was um, three times the city average and so on you think about the renaissance in Italy when all those beautiful paintings are being made there's plague everywhere all of these Italian cities are fighting with each other it doesn't mean that the world around you mm, is you know not. at its best but it means yeah. that those who have something to say in art and creativity are thriving. And I, yes. I, I see that. I look around me now and I see that. 
whilst I was reading about the Harlem Renaissance, as, as I do every so often, I didn't realize um, until someone pointed it out that the Harlem Renaissance was in essence a, a queer, a black and queer thing. Yeah. You know, most of the um, writers and the thinkers were um, black and queer. And also James Baldwin is a subject that I teach at uh, the university. And um, I just love that he was born right in the middle of it in 1925 in Harlem Hospital. You know, so he is the child of the Harlem Renaissance. I don't think he took the Harlem Renaissance seriously, but that period identified is when James came to us. He's a product of it. He's a product, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to be birthed up up in it. Yeah, County Cullen, <laughs> County Cullen, Beaufort, Delaney were his teachers. You know, and, and, and here we are still learning from from the ones who were here before us. What do you think we can learn from each other? Two-way respect traffic, I think. Uh, I think that there can be a patronizing tendency if you're older. But um, what I do know is that when I was 20, I was dealing with uh, a 1980s, 1990s world. Excuse me. And that um, the people who are my age now are dealing with Brexit Britain. And that is something that I should respect. Uh, because, I'm, because I haven't been there, I do not know, and I will never know what it is like to be a 20-something, a 30-something in this period. I know what it's like to be 50-something, and I have got... Um, I can tell a story that is 40 years old now. Uh, but, you know, two-way respect. Two-way respect traffic. That, was about, that would be, be my answer then. It's an, um, know, knowing you, knowing people who are younger than me, who give a shit about me, if, uh, to, to put it in blunt terms, uh, that's something that deserves respect. And respect dignifies, and there's not enough of it around. And I, uh, I'm enormously concerned about this network of ours because if we um don't tell our own story uh, it won't be told by anybody else and i constantly cite i, I constantly cite a film that simon napier bell made in m made in 2017 called 50 years legal um celebrating 50 years since the decriminalization of homosexuality in the united kingdom which was supposed to be about, um, you know, our story. I remember walking into the cinema that afternoon to see the screening of it and looking around and seeing Lana Pillay and uh, lots of um, black queer people that I've known and loved over the years. And then we sat down for an hour and a half and we watched this screen and we were not part of that story. Mm. And so I would alert you to 2027 when it will be 60 years legal, um, which is when we have work to do. You know, and, and my plan for that year is to create a black queer extravaganza that celebrates 60 years of decriminalization, telling a queer British history of Britain. Because the queer history of Britain isn't just one thing, it's many things. And I know, I know that the white queer history of Britain is covered, you know. Extensively. And it, and it ain't necessarily inclusive. And so it's time in 2027 for us to make a big noise about being black and queer because we were there in 1967 and we've been there throughout mm. we weren't just um saucy models in magazines we weren't just extras 
um, in 1960s movies when people wanted to speak, d describe how seedy a bar was. They just put a black person in there to drive the point home. That's not this, that, 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 that's not the queer history of Britain that I, as I know it. But that's our mission going forward, 2027, 60 years since. Let's make a big black queer noise in that year. And we look forward to that. Y'all got some years until that year, so... Six years. Do what Get you got to do. Start planning. Meet, meet different people. <laughs> <laughs> Expand your network. Not just, you know, obviously ethnically and racially, but generationally. And... It will 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 definitely get much further um, the more we continue to be a community that we constantly say we are. Amen. Thanks for tuning into this extra scoop. We'll see you next week for another episode. Peace. <laughs>